Fresh Air Production. Podcasts are nice, aren't they? Are they easy? What's the point? Can you measure them? Welcome to Fresh Ears, the podcast from Fresh Air Production, where we try and answer these questions by dissecting a branded podcast. I'm Neil Cowling, the founder of Fresh Air. Hello. And in each episode, we choose one of our projects and speak to the client, the production team and anyone else involved to find out what advice they might have for others who are thinking about doing something similar. This week, we're all gathered together to talk about The Case Files, a unique podcast series by one of the UK's largest and best-known law firms, Slater & Gordon. I felt humiliated. I just couldn't, I couldn't understand why. Why why are they paid more? I I don't know. Um, I I sat back at my desk and I, I really didn't know what to do. I came home, I was very upset. I spoke to my partner. My partner said, you've, you've, got to, you've got to find out why. I went straight into HR and I said, I'm aware that um, my male colleagues are paid more than me and I'd like to know why four of the men were paid more than me out of the five. So... How do you use podcasting to make legal services sound approachable and non-intimidating? That was what we set out to do. And the result is an award-nominated series which sits proudly in the true crime category of iTunes. In each episode, we focus on a case that Slater and Gordon have been involved with, from murders to terrorism cases to abuse and medical negligence. We hear from the victims and their lawyers to really get the human stories behind the legal process. Presented by Kate Jabot, it's journalism, storytelling and legal analysis all rolled into one. Joining me to chat through this brilliant project are Alison Jackson-Carter, Head of Media and Communications at Slater & Gordon, Lucy Gardner, the Senior Media Advisor at Slater & Gordon, Annie Day, the Senior Producer from Fresh Air, and Howard Kosky, the CEO of Marketeers for DC. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi, Neil. Hello. Now, we came to working with Slater & Gordon through our partnership with Marketeers for DC. Howard, perhaps if we start with you, can you explain a little bit about what Marketeers 4DC is and how you work with Slater & Gordon? Sure. Well, uh, Marketeers is a specialist broadcast comms agency. I've known Alison for a number of years. We kind of got in conversation with Slater & Gordon, I think approximately about six years ago it was, if memory serves me correct, primarily for traditional broadcast PR outreach. In other words, helping to profile the brand across traditional radio and TV channels. Um, and then after a few years of that, it, it got to a stage where brand awareness amongst broadcasters was very high and amongst the audience as consumers was very high. And obviously we were looking, as always, to try and ensure we were ahead of the pack in terms of giving Slater and Gordon a position in the market to reach an audience um, with an increased share of voice. So why podcast? Why was that where you ended up? Well, I think the good news is the, the Slater and Gordon comms team are very media literate, uh, to their credit. We'd seen trends a number of a few years ago in terms of the direction of travel of podcasts and the evolution of. We spent a fair time in North America seeing how a lot of brands were using podcasts as a route to market. And in terms of storytelling and narratives, if you think that traditional broadcast outlets allow you perhaps five minutes, on average five to seven minutes... Sometimes the storytelling of the, some of the cases Slater and Gordon were involved in across their, their, their business channels uh, would warrant a longer conversation. We did an audit amongst 
other legal practices, saw that the way they were coming at it was very dry, classic kind of brand self-publishing what it wants to talk about rather than considering what people might be interested in listening. Uh, so we did the audit, you know, the rationalisation of why podcasting an audience was something we wanted to, to validate through a series. And that's, that's how we came to where we are. So, Alison, you'd obviously, from a fresh air point of view, you'd obviously been thinking about this with 4DC, with Marketeers, a long time before we got involved. What made you think that podcasting was worth the significant investment from you? When I was on, um, when I was on maternity leave with my second, I spent a lot of time listening to podcasts. And it felt like a really fresh and powerful medium for storytelling. And I have a really, really great in-house comms team. We work with the media and we get really high levels of media coverage. But I think we're all aware that there is a decline in circulation for print readership. And I guess having had such a, a nice experience listening to so many podcasts, I thought, I'm sure this is something that we can get involved in. So through my conversations with Howard and the work that we were doing with Marketeers and 4DC, we found out that there were legal podcasts out there, but it was really clear to us that none of those legal podcasts were talking about the law from the client side. They were by lawyers for lawyers, and none of them were telling the stories of real people in their own words. And that kind of was the spark really for us to think there's an opportunity for us here to be doing something that nobody else is doing out there and to be serving our clients and telling their stories and educating people about the law in a way that no one else is doing. So Lisa, you're you're also on the client side and you have the most day-to-day involvement with the podcast. Could you perhaps just describe the format for the listeners who haven't heard it? I think one of the main things for us is when we approach this format, we do it, we we looked at it how we would we'd, we do our press releases. So how we tell our client stories, um, which is always client heavy. It focuses on them and it's their voice and the legal side kind of comes a bit later on and a lot lesser factor. So we we set into three sections, the main part being the client, what their story is, giving them their platform in the long form to talk in their own words, exactly what's happened to them and how they've ended up engaging with us as a law firm. And then the second part is the legal journey. So the lawyer explains the law that's involved, the process they had to go through. I mean, you know, some of these cases, that they're really long. And then the third part, which was something that was really important to us, and we've actually started to change and develop a bit in the second series, is having a third guest. Um, and that third guest is about providing an extra form of outsider source guidance support. If you found yourself, unfortunately, horribly in that situation, like the person that we're listening to. So that could be a charity, for example, like victim support, or also another source that can provide a bit more of an insight into that situation that's not from a legal perspective. So that might be a journalist who's covered a case that we're talking about, or an MP, for example. And for us, we've started to, since we got to series two, actually had two of these guests on some of them because we've realised how important that is um, to provide that whole, you know, sort of whole holistic approach to it being an educational piece if someone else finds themselves in that situation listening to it. Annie, let's bring you in. You're the producer of the series, but your background is journalism, you know, BBC News, radio journalism. How do you approach this differently to how you would produce a radio show or is it very similar I think it's really similar actually I think for me what it comes down to really is storytelling and what I'm trying to do is make the subject matter as interesting as possible and there are loads of different ways that you can do that and and, you know the BBC generally it was a really fast-paced environment it was live shorter segments but the principles I think are the same so what is this person's story what's the most 
interesting and, and relevant thing that they're telling you that fits with the audience that you're talking to. And then it's positioning that content in the in the right place within the podcast. So for me, my role is is listening and chatting often really informally with the guest and then going away, thinking about what they've said, writing up notes and, and pulling together a brief with some pointers for the presenter. And, and that's not necessarily a detailed list of, of questions that, that Kate in this instance has to go through. It's evolved now into me giving her some suggestions of areas that she can navigate. And, and we're talking about navigating often really potentially tricky, emotional, really complex subject matter. And, and so you're basically giving her the tools to ask the right questions to get a really engaging response, often from people who are so out of their comfort zone. It's, it's basically getting that story and making it easily understandable for a wide range of people, but also understanding that there is a really core cool audience out there as well. Lucy and Alison, you're both journalists by background. So has that helped? I definitely think so. I think we understand which stories and which clients will be the most interesting for people to listen to and also I think generally we can feel frustrated ourselves because we work with these clients for a long time and we know that their story doesn't neatly fit into 500 words in a news page or three minutes of airtime on BBC Breakfast or Five Live. Their stories are long and they're complex and they're not easily summed up in sound bites. so the long-form medium of podcasting really, really suits that form of storytelling and journalism. Why did you decide to talk about such intimate topics? Because, you know, the first episode of Series 2 is the Manchester bombing. You know, it couldn't really get much tougher because it, it must be difficult to, to tread the line between being exploitative and, and being sensitive. The podcast is structured around people telling their own stories they tell their stories in their own words and essentially the client is at the heart of every episode. They don't want to be made to feel that details of their experience are distasteful. They are recounting an experience that happened to them and that was something that happened in their life. Essentially, we allow them to be the judges of what language and what detail they want to share to properly convey the experience that they've had. And I think, you know, often our podcasts make for difficult listening. Um, our clients are talking about what is probably the worst thing that has and will ever happen to them. I'm honest and I, I'll say that, you know, we've had episodes that have made me cry. We've had episodes that have shocked me. We've had episodes that have made me feel frustrated and angry. But every episode, you know, I also feel proud that our lawyers have been able to help in some way. I knew because of everybody else's reactions that it was bad. I couldn't, like, I didn't know why and I didn't, I, I didn't know how much, but I knew something bad had happened. And all these paramedics, I was like the sole, sole person that they were focused on. So I knew that it was not going to be good. So I assumed if I fell asleep or they knocked me out that I wasn't going to wake up again. I knew it was bad enough that I could die because of the look on everyone's faces. And Lucy, is that a combination of pre-production and post-production, presumably? Because you've always got the edit where you can take stuff out and you can move things around and you can have a sort of a second ear across whether it is crossing a line at all. Yeah, absolutely. You can do that. You know, you can pick and choose, can't you, in the editing part. And, and you also know with each client what they're happy to talk about and what they're not before we get in there. And even if they change their mind, there's never any pressure when it's happening. We always say to them, you can totally stop. You can have a break if it's too much or if you want that to be removed. You know, they're really in control of it. And I think that's, I think that massively helps. And hopefully you can hear that as well. 
they're trusting you, but there's also got to be a, a pretty significant trust relationship between you guys and us as a production team as well, which takes time to build, doesn't it? For me, it was really difficult in the beginning because, you know, I've got this really great team around me that I work with every day and I've known for a long time. I don't have to, you know, trust people with that prized asset, which is the Slater & Gordon brand and reputation very often outside of kind of the immediate team. So when Howard was saying, oh, let's bring in fresh air, they're experts, even though I was well aware that we needed that expertise and we needed people that had um, much more skill in the the area of producing a podcast than what we had. It was still difficult for me to let go, I think, in the first few episodes, certainly. And I think we've all had the same objective in mind throughout, which is that we want to produce the best possible podcast and allow our clients to tell their story in the best way possible. So in that way, it's been easy. And Annie, how does that trust relationship work from your point of view as a producer does that weigh heavily on you as you're putting these things together yeah absolutely it's vital it's it's one of the the main parts of my job because if the company like Slater and Gordon don't trust you you're going to get nowhere and if the guests don't trust you they're not going to trust that you're going to do a fair job of telling their story and you know when you're dealing with some of the subject matter here you have to get that trust immediately really because I'm going into somebody's world and I'm asking them to tell a story that is so personal to them. And, you know, we've all echoed this. This is probably the worst thing that will ever happen to them. And so I'm often at the end of the phone asking them to go back over this story again. And so it has to work two ways. Lucy has to trust that I'm going to deal with those case studies and guests in a compassionate way. She also has to trust that um, I've got enough journalistic background to be able to pull the briefs together and to give that information to Kate in a way that Kate can understand in a really simple way because as I think we've said some of these stories are really complex I think it's about us all working together I think it's all about us having clearly defined roles and and responsibilities and and that can only work over time I think it's very rare that that happens immediately Um, I like to think now that Lucy and I you know we, we joke because we spoke to each other probably more than we spoke to anybody else during lockdown. We were just on the phone or over email to each other constantly. And and for me, that's just, you know, that's gold. You can't buy that because I absolutely trust her decisions. I hope that she trusts mine and, and therefore the whole of, of Fresh Air. And then you just get a much better project at the end of it. Alison, I can imagine within a law firm, there are lots of people who need input, need sign off. How does that chain work? We've tried deliberately to keep it as simple as possible and to make it really straightforward and part of that is because it's a consumer podcast rather than a corporate podcast so as well as the lawyer featuring in the episode another lawyer listens to check that the information or any advice that is shared is accurate and correct then I listen to it and then our chief people officer listens to it and that's it and generally we don't tend to make any changes I can't think of any changes we've made at all to any episodes in any kind of substantial detail If I did have any concerns, I would um, refer them up to my CEO and he would listen to them. Now, he's only listened to one episode in advance. And that was the episode that we did in series one on um, child sexual abuse. And the reason I went to him was because it was quite detailed in parts and the language was quite graphic. And I wanted him to be aware of what we were doing and why we were doing it. So he would be able to explain that to his stakeholders if he were asked. We do an awful lot of work with victims of sexual abuse and we never shy away from talking about the realities that victims face. 
and we try not to use any euphemisms around abuse because that it, it lacks clarity and can often give a misleading impression of the severity of the abuse and what somebody's gone through. That was the only episode that I I referred higher because I was I had any concerns around it. And it was really just so that we could be prepared to answer questions as to why we covered it in the way that we did. Howard, you've got a client who's willing to be brave, who's willing to bring sensitive topics to the table and you know create something that is going to move the audience, not just tell them about themselves. How is that important from a strategic point of view? Yeah, and I think it's you know it's rare, and I think huge credit to, to Slater and Gordon and, and Fresh Air because anyone that listens to this is going to forget that we're talking about a brand-funded podcast. I think that's the skill, really. You know, let's not forget, ultimately, our job is also to remind people there is a metric, you know, it's not a vanity project. There is a pound that has to be justified for its investment. But over the, the series one and start series two, there's been a complete evolution. And, you know, it does deliver client acquisition because people will feel comfortable that actually this is a law firm I'd want to work with if I had a, if I had a need. But I think the, the relationships evolved. And I think what, what everyone's recognising is that we're now starting to talk about a podcast series that to me is almost more powered and enabled by Slater and Gordon rather than a Slater and Gordon podcast series. You know, it's, it's taken on its own identity. And that's credit to everyone involved in terms of Slater and Gordon, the team, and, and everyone at Fresh Air because that trust that everyone's built over this period of time delivers a better end product and a better end result. And I think what you've now got is we talk about the case files as the most fantastic podcast series Slater and Gordon absolutely get the credit for it, but it's for me they are they're the enabler for it rather than it be a Slater and Gordon branded podcast series. One of the biggest assets I think of this series, one of the things you've done really really well as a client is the promotion. Uh, we've seen films, explainer videos, you name it, all over LinkedIn. Talk us through a bit about that because I think you've probably promoted this series better than anybody else we've ever worked with. This is important for anybody that's creating any kind of content, whether it be a podcast or a video or anything. Um, firstly, you need to know who your audience are. And secondly, you need to reach them. It's all well and good having an amazing podcast, but if nobody knows it exists, it's not going to do very well. So for us, one of the the key parts of this was being able to promote it. Now, we don't have huge amounts of budget, but we have got a really excited and engaged in-house team. We've got a couple of guys who do um, all of our video work in-house and they have taken the brief of, you know, help us promote this podcast and just run with it. So the podcast has got its own social channels and we've got a regular kind of stream of content going out there. And we've also tried to kind of utilise the channels that S&G has to amplify that messaging. So, for example, we the email signatures for everybody within the business has a link to the podcast. So any client within the business that's kind of exchanging emails with their lawyer will be kind of have, have that imagery and the link there for them. But I think we also do quite well out of word of mouth. And we had some early success with the iTunes chart as well. And I think that really gave us a good platform for um, kind of helping with the promotion of things. Yeah, the, I mean, the strategy that Slater and Gordon have implemented is model excellence. You know, it's best practice because it's not filled of dreams. You know, the key thing is to remember 
a podcast series is not a vanity project. But so you need to give it a boost to start with. You you need to sweat every asset you have at your disposal to get as much traction early on and then build momentum. And I think what you mentioned at the start, Neil, was very, very important bravery and commitment. And, you know, while some organizations have been brave, to get the commitment from the different stakeholders in Slater and Gordon, Alison and Lucy and team have done a brilliant job because the quality, it's not just the fact that it's being promoted across social media, it's the quality of the promotion. You know, the trailer videos are expertly produced to the to the eye, quality videos, you know, as trailers. They're, they're not, it's not as if someone said, right, let's tick the box of doing a trailer video. Someone's knocked it together and see how it goes. The commitment from all the stakeholders inside the business is exemplary. And again, each of these little factors is what contributes to the overarching success. One of the interesting things with this is that we put it in the true crime category of iTunes. It could have gone in business, it could have gone in society. There are lots of categories that it could sit within. But it sits within true crime, and that means that it, again, feels less like a piece of branded work, less like a sales piece, more like a piece of consumer content. Alison, is that, that's obviously deliberate. That's something we talked to you about. How important do you think that's been? I think it's been really important to have the focus from the very beginning be on this being a consumer-facing podcast, telling the stories of real people, rather than a corporate communications piece because it's not that. It, this isn't an opportunity for us to promote our corporate image and to talk about our lawyers and the business of law. The, the full focus on this exercise is that we are telling the stories of our clients and we are allowing them to share what happened to them and their experience. We talked about promo. Where does that balance of effort and budget go? Is it is it 50-50 between production and promotion how much time do you spend talking about each if you look at the model of how to launch a podcast series and then sustain you wait up front so you give support to get the thing up and running but then obviously what you want is as Alison and Lucy have described through in in-house social capabilities and across other channels you can promote it but budget needs to be there at the start and then it's like any other marketing channel you know if you're going to launch something you put a bit of money behind the start of it you PR it so again you know the BBC themselves would put a marketing budget behind the launch of the series. They wouldn't just bring a new programme to BBC One or BBC Sounds and not tell anyone. They'll cross-promote it and put a budget behind it across other channels because they're treating it like a product. And I think, but, what, but what's been so successful with Sater and Gordon and, and the, well, the case files is because it's built a momentum and because of the way it's being produced and distributed, I won't say it's taken on a life of its own, but it has momentum with it. So it doesn't need the same level of financial investment at every step along the way. It has its own brand channels. It's got brand loyalty. It's not Slater and Gordon's podcast. It's the case files. That's what wins. And this is the bit where a lot of brands don't get this. An awful lot of brands keep arcing back to like their brand guidelines. It needs to say this. It needs to do that. You have too many stakeholders sometimes or wanting their bits. You end up with a compromised piece of content a lot of the time. Again, what Lucy and, and Alison have done really well is they've controlled to make sure that the, the firm hasn't got hold of its prized asset and try and manipulate it for other gain. And the, so, the social, the, the investment, the budget, if you look at podcasting in the round, production is one part. You know, so, you know, you'll see often the talent of the presenter 
for consistency could could be budget the social spend will be on facebook twitter other social channels will be there to start with so it should be built in at the start of the plan and again what was, what was very interesting working with lucy and alice and the team is from planning the first series we already had sight of what the metrics should be to get to series two whereas a lot of organizations approach a series as alison referenced almost as a test well if you're going to approach it as a test the chances are it may not work because you're not going into it wholeheartedly, right, this is going to be a roaring success that we want to build on. The whole idea is to try and build a loyalty amongst an audience that you then move on to series two. So when we talk about success and presumably on the basis that we're on series two, series one was judged to be a success, on what basis? How, how do you judge that? We did some listener research. We did two rounds of listener research. So we did one really early on to get some really constructive feedback on a bit more of the content and also letting us know what who our audience were. And then kind of we did a second stage of listener research at the end of series one where we got a lot more data around what their perception were of lawyers pre-listening to the podcast and after. And it was really, really amazing to have that data that could kind of give us a proof point in, internally for me to share with my stakeholders to prove that it was really worth us investing in this as a business. So the the listener research showed that 64% viewed Slater and Gordon more positively after listening to the podcast. Um, 70% would contact Slater and Gordon if they had a legal question or query or an issue. And one of the, we've talked already about how we wanted to kind of change the perception of lawyers and humanise them. And a lot of information came out of that that listener research demonstrating that the perception of lawyers was changed. They saw them as more helpful, as someone they would feel comfortable talking to and confiding in. And crucially, they didn't see lawyers as intimidating as what they had previously. So that was really, really great data to be able to refer back to when going for budget for season two. Um, and we also had, you know, a, a huge number of downloads. We had 70,000 downloads from season one. Um, so we're, you know, incredibly proud of that. And we're hoping that we can build on that for series two. And, it's, and also, I'd say it's worth noting what, again, Alice and the team did very well. They knew at the outset what they wanted as an objective. And that, again, for a lot of brands is very different. You know, you see a lot of brands looking at brand funding podcasts, as I said to you, it's vanity. It's like, you know, the reason for doing this is what? Well, self, we have a story to tell, self-publishing. But whereas I think, as, as Alison said, there was, a, there was a very genuine need of what our objective is. We want to change perception, be seen to be more approachable and be accessible. Having that as your DNA through just gives everyone total focus. Whereas a lot of organisations will approach, from our perspective experience, will approach podcasting without necessarily going through the same decision-making process of what we want as a mark from a marketing channel as an end objective. And I think, you know, the, 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 the success here is because there is, there is objectivity of what we want as an end result. So to finish off then, hints, tips, advice for anybody else who was going in to do the same thing. Um, now that you are 18 months or so down the road, what would be, the, what would be your main lesson from the whole process? I think to know, know your audience and what you want to get out of it from the outset is really important. Establish how you're going to reach that audience. Otherwise, you're just shouting into a cave. And I think people... Uh, I've seen a lot of um, my peers and other organisations 
trying to do this and kind of it just peters out or they just don't have the the audience and it comes down to doing it properly really and being committed because a lot of them don't seem to have the early commitment seem to want to dip their toe in the water and try it and are kind of doing it in their basement with their mates probably not really thinking about the end product in the same way. My advice to everybody is do it properly, work with professionals and take advice and take feedback. You know, it needs to be a collaborative process to get the best result. Lucy, any thoughts from your end? Yeah, um, I think how you do it day to day. When we first started, we were, I don't know if controlling's maybe a bit strong, um, but we were very protective, shall I say, of how we did this um, and how we approached it. And quite right too, because, you know, we're dealing with people that... um, you know, need that and and our brand that we've worked really hard to to protect. But I think it's being able to know when to let go a little bit and let you guys do your magic. Because yes, we have a background in journalism, but I don't have any background in broadcast. You know, I was a print journalist and and you guys know how to do this. And it's it's trusting that, but building that relationship. Um, I think the relationship we have as a team with you guys is is pretty priceless now. But also don't underestimate the power of giving, you know, a client or someone that long form platform and just letting them speak freely. It's, it's amazing. The feedback that we've had, honestly, from every client that's been on there is so positive and they go out of their way to tell us it was a positive process for them. It was either cathartic or in some way. And I think they'll go off and tell their friends about that. They'll tell people about that experience of us as a company and that's, that's pretty priceless as um, PR perspective. So there you are, a podcast for a law firm that's sensitive, emotional and effective. Thanks to Alison Jackson-Carter, Head of Media and Communications at Slater & Gordon, Lucy Gardner, Senior Media Advisor at Slater & Gordon, Annie Day, Senior Producer for Fresh Air, and Howard Kosky is CEO of Marketeers for DC. Thank you for listening to Fresh Ears. I'm Neil Cowling, and to find out how Fresh Air could help your brand build a brilliant podcast, please visit the site at freshairproduction.co.uk. Otherwise, please do subscribe and leave us a review if you fancy it. Cheers. Cheers.